ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Gaining listeners at slightly slower clip than Apex Legends, this is the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's seven, and we're broadcasting live from an E-League presser we are clearly a day late for. Oh man, so much to unpack in that intro. I do love the uh, slightly less clip than Apex Legends. The slightly. That's slightly. good, that's you good. Know, we're at 24 and a half million. We're missing a few zeros, but that's all right. I mean, it's podcast numbers, no one needs to know. This week, things go from bad to worse for Activision Blizzard. Riot is back to teasing us with more games. Team Liquid takes a parting shot at the HGC. Dota goes to Disney. We were totally wrong about that whole Battle Royale thing. And we found out more about E-League news uh, about the same time that you do. But first, uh, why does Blizzard still not get competitive WoW? So Method got the world-first mythic Battle of Dazzlelore and hundreds of thousands of viewers on the clips around the various bosses, including Jaina, which alone had, what, 337,000 views? And yet... I'm still reading stuff about the Overwatch League. I'm still reading stuff about the future of Hearthstone esports and the little esport that could within the Blizzard ecosystem. Nowhere to be found. I just want to know what you're reading about Hearthstone esports, except for the fact oh, it's coming I mean, I soon on the main about the, the announcements about the announcements about the announcements, right, which is right. still more than WoW gets. Well, WoW gets one one thing, and that's basically uh, I don't know was are they doing like a plush toy or something random that will pay for. Uh, they're making dungeon runs, but well, clearly they uh, couldn't do that for the HGC. Oh, oh, oh. Anyways, I, I think that it's it's almost happened. Uh, it happened so organically, and Method really led the charge on a lot of this. Isn't that uh, always and, the case with Method? Yeah, at some I guess point so. it becomes predictable. Yeah, it, but I mean, they've even gone to the point now where they have additional sponsors, and uh, and I think we talked about it like last show. They they added. I mean, they've been doing it from Red Bull's uh, arena. Yeah, which uh, in, is where in this London. Place. Yeah, yeah. And so they, from a production value, they've added new things. Uh, they are basically turning it into their own esporting event, and they're drawing great numbers for it. And numbers the Overwatch League would be jealous of. Yeah, yeah. That's what's scary about this. And it, Blizzard just can't get behind it. And now they're in a space where they're shedding esports people left and right. They almost have to, it sounds like they almost have to, like, uh, I don't know. The, the WoW team almost has to like fight for the right there to even be an esports ish backing for this this dungeon run competition, and and Method is just eating their lunch. I I don't get why why these things which are very much right in front of them. It's a, a one off event. You could literally do it every time you drop a big content patch throughout the year. That's it, and it doesn't require like a, a roster of people it doesn't require a league. These are guilds are self forming. They'll do it themselves just for the notoriety. Like that's what method started off at. Give them a cut of some sponsorship money, make it a prize pool, whatever. But I mean, method is clearly found a way to, to get more sponsorship for this than Hearthstone did last season. That's and scary. Scary. Key thing here 
is that this is content that a lot of people will not see any other way. Right. You're not going to see mythic level rating for the majority of players. I can't remember the last what the percentages were last time I looked at it, but when you look at the graph of people even participating at the various difficulties, let alone being successful, the amount at mythic is like points of percentage like it is not even like whole percentage points in some cases and that's a big deal that's even more reason for viewers to come and watch the whole keep the dream alive thing we always talk about in esports this is the raid you can go and do the easier version of and then watch the harder version of on twitch and then go immediately convert your excitement into a 15 dollars monthly subscription which is more direct revenue than waiting for the next loot box chain to come around and overwatch right. and watch players play on a map that's really hard to follow what's going on that you could largely go and play yourself i'm not suggesting this is bigger than the overwatch league what i'm suggesting is is you're sitting here saying uh, esports is largely not working out for us outside of the overwatch league why this thing is just sitting in the corner like excuse me over here i have almost a million viewers right. across all my clips uh sponsor us please right right I, I just don't get why they're not paying attention to that they're they seem to be at a, a, a lack of good ideas however the one good idea that did come out this past week was the hakar card back uh, the the viral thing going on that was with such a smooth transition. I almost didn't realize it happened. I, I saw that. Have you been you, practicing? Like, I I haven't. I, I sorry. Well, I don't mean to call here, you. Here's out, basically but... what happened is I forgot to put anything in the show notes about this, so I'm totally winging it. And I was like, here's my in. So here's my in. Here's the key. There you go. There you no go. Show notes. Uh, there's more content in that show notes than uh, what they've provided for uh, Hearthstone uh, HCT. What's coming up this coming year? Anyways, shot number two to Hearthstone. <laughs> taken there we go let's see how many we can get this uh this show but anyway i I thought this was a really cool unique way of spreading a card back certain people basically started off the day with it and as you play it against people that uh as long as they played the entirety of the game win or lose they got a copy of that card back but i totally won when i played you well, yeah, because I specifically just <laughs> shot myself say, in the face to that out make it faster. You're going to get banned for throwing. Nobody needs to know that you're just not that great at Hearthstone playing Face I, I'm pretty Hunter. sure everybody knows. Face Hunter from like 2016. That is not true. I <laughs> net decked that 30 seconds before we started. <laughs> and you had the cards for it? Or did I, you just autofill? Uh, no, I had the cards for it. I even actually crafted an epic that I needed. Because oh, I'm that hardcore about my net decking. <laughs> How about that card back? Uh, so I thought it was a unique way of doing it. The funny part was after about like two days of it, like everybody I ran into had it. So they must have given it out to a large majority of people. Yeah. Um, but I had an employee from Blizzard actually ping me and say, hey, do you want the card back? And so she gave me the card back and said that they were actually tracking it. So they had the ability to track how quickly it spread. Like the and the virality how it of it. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was a, a unique thing uh, to do. Yeah, so and, it reminds me of how they did Chogall a couple of years ago at BlizzCon, where like, people who went to BlizzCon got Chogall, but then you had to do something, what, like complete five matches with a friend as Chogall in order to do it? So this was right. far less intensive than what you had to go through for that one. Less intensive, but it's cool that they had the back-end ability to track all of that. Yeah, but they it's also did, pretty dope card back just generally speaking. it is it is i just wish they would have put some effort into the tournament mode man man we are salty tonight one of the greatest jokes of our time may finally come to an end as riot games lack of a second title may also be coming to an end they have uh, once again put up some job listings for multiple triple a titles they are just going all in on this right. putting the s and riot games uh, they now have over 25 openings on their r&d team and mentions of more than one triple a title in development is this the year finally in 2019 where Riot is more than just the League of Legends company? I think it'll. This will be the year that they announce 
something is coming in 2020. Well, it I won't mean, be this year. It won't but, be as exciting as the artifact announcement because that was one of my favorite announcements of all time. Oh, I think they, I think, I think they have learned from the artifact announcement. They canceled the League of Legends card game. We were inevitably going to get this year. Well, they, you know, they can see the numbers from artifact. Um, and even though they had their biggest tournament, I think this week yet to date, uh, it still don't d- matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, those numbers are so so low. I think lots of people watch curling, but very few of us play. So, <laughs> right, uh, it might be more people watching cur- curling if it was on TV at this point. Uh, but really, I think I think we'll hear something. I think it'll be probably around worlds. They'll preview something, and it'll likely be like coming in 2020. Battle Royale. I don't know if it'll be a battle royale. I, it's going to be. Uh, by these titles, it looks like it's something a little further along in development development than just kind of like a prototype because they're looking for like senior level, like lighting designers. They even have a monetization person for available or wanting to like set up, figure out the, like the ecosystem of how they want to do like the monetization, the market. So, what you if, know, if they're looking at that model, it's a little your further. Career. Your career is I'm the guy that fleeces players for money. <laughs> fleeces 13 year olds from Fortnite money. Yeah. Oh. Like, I just, that I, like that's a sad life. That, that is kind of a sad thing to think about. I, Oh man, I hope nobody like that actually has that job and listens to the show. And we right, just, right like, now they're like, I'm going to go home and just I'm done. Life is over. I'm getting out of gaming. <laughs> I'm just going to bake bread at the local Starbucks. I don't know if we have that kind of pull with anybody. But all right, so moving along, uh, NRG and others yeah, that's are the are yeah, there you go. There you go. See, you knew it was coming. NRG and others are more than likely, or well, most likely, are ready to make a move into competitive Apex Legends uh, play, even though. They're basically, there isn't a scene yet. Uh, so Apex Legends has exploded. We'll talk about this a little bit later in the show, but there's next to nothing from a competitive front. Is this just, we've seen this before. Is this just like another gold rush to fill up teams, maybe a marketing thing? I mean, it most certainly is on all fronts, right? Like it's a popular game, regardless of how you slice it, eSport or not, you should have people playing it with your brand on it. Uh, this is no different than when Black Ops landed and Fortnite landed and PUBG landed. And we see this every time a new Battle Royale game comes up. And you'd be stupid not to, to be quite frank. Like, even if this thing fizzles out, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit, but even if it fizzles it out in, you know, a matter of months, still a lot of money to be had at the number of people that are playing and watching it right now. And if an esports scene does prop up, you're in there early. You're an organized team that's potentially going up against a bunch of unorganized teams, which means it's easier for you to win and therefore cash in on your investment. Uh, at this point, as much as this used to anger me, you'd be dumb not to from a business standpoint. I, I guess so. If you look at the scene so far from the Battle Royale genre, what game has a Battle Royale game has an active esports competitive scene that is actually real? PUBG. But it's not doing that great. You didn't ask. You did not stipulate whether or not it was doing <laughs> okay. well. You just right. asked that. It actually I mean, I, I know it's there, but it, even then, it, it still has a lot of problems, right? It still has a lot of problems from like a viewing uh, standpoint, how you sort out points. It's still not yeah, 100% we've got a hundred percent there. Problems and people listen. Yeah, that's probably yeah, why they listen. We have point five just, million less than Apex Legends. It's just, it's just a train wreck every day, and that's why people people join in. So. Listen in. Sometimes it's uh, fun to wallow in other people's misery. Yeah, that's why. That's basically the theme of the show. What we're trying to say is subscribe. We'll be here next week. (laughs) Hopefully. Moving on. The hammer is truly coming down. Bloomberg is reporting that Activision Blizzard will lay off staff members in the hundreds as early as today as you're listening to the show. Uh, Now, we had... 
forecast some doom and gloom for Blizzard. Um, it seems like a large number of these layoffs will be in non-game development roles at Blizzard with an eye towards moving those roles over to Activision. So not only are Blizzard employees losing their jobs, but also potentially giving more control to the overall business to Activision. I mean, I hate to pat ourselves on the back for this one because it's a really horrible thing to have to pat ourselves on the back on, but I think this is the beginning of the end for Blizzard as we know them. Really? You're going to go jump that I far? I am going that far. I think, uh, for, well, first off, let me say this. It's never a good thing or a snarky thing to like report on something like this. This is this is awful. This is people losing their jobs in the games industry, and it always sucks when it happens. It's going right? to happen to us one day. It's, well, yeah, we've got a couple more. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Winter at the end of the show, right? Yeah. So, I mean, but this, this happens uh, far too often, and it happens far too abruptly. Now, we've known since the fall that they've been basically taking people's like giving people compensation packages packages if they just wanted to go they want to they want to reduce that layoff number as much as they can through right. proactive work right so and, that they can say oh, it's only 100 and it was largely like non-engineering people non-development people non non-infrastructure people who were sales marketing community, esports esports yeah esports yeah it is largely esports and so uh you you take that and then a company with uh, i saw some people changing job titles and roles like la- as early as last week or the week before. So it looks like they've now finished that next step, which is reorganize people into the open available roles. And now it's, well, these people are the leftovers and they're probably going to get the boot. And that just, that really does suck. It I don't sucks know. On if, so many levels. I don't know if it calls the end of blizzard. I no, feel I, like blizzard, blizzard can be blizzard this. as we know it. So there's some key qualifiers here. One, this company is becoming more Activision and less Blizzard. They are being forced to be a money-motivated company, which Blizzard has never been. And I think we're starting to see it in the quality of the games. There's been a lot of rumors about how they want Blizzard to produce more games, and they're upset that really all they've done is expansions and, and various add-ons and events since Overwatch launched in 2016. We saw this, obviously, Diablo Mobile announcement. I don't think Blizzard is in, as in control of its destiny today as it was when Overwatch launched, and that is where I'm coming from when I say it's the death of Blizzard. The more Activision gets involved, the less Blizzard's able to make its own business decisions, which means they start rushing games out before they are ready by Blizzard standards, which, as much as we make fun of them, is why Blizzard has high-quality games. And when you take that away from them... And one other telling thing that not maybe we didn't point out, and maybe some others did, but... Mike Morheim leaving as CEO and Jay Allen Brack replacing him as president is yet another interesting power play that not a lot of people have keyed into that says the only CEO operating right now is Kotick, not anybody at the Blizzard level. Right. It's reducing the power structure of Blizzard and giving more and more responsibility to Activision for making decisions for Activision Blizzard. And I think that's bad for the general quality of the product that Blizzard produces. Yeah, they, I mean, they try to play that off as like when Activision took over for or purchased Blizzard, they basically, Morheim was CEO, so they left that title there. So this was a reorganizing, uh, they're reorganizing uh, to how it should be anyways in terms of hierarchy. But it was probably already coded that way anyways. Who knows? I'm sure Mar- Morheim had plenty of There's of, of a reason sweat. why he's leaving too. I well, I, I think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall and things coming down the pipeline, the big change coming. I think we, this is... This, this will change how Activision works in the future. It will affect Blizzard, but I think it will largely change Activision. This landscape, especially with Apex Legends coming out, EA dropping, again, 
a free to play title that wrecks everybody and they make a ton of money. I think the model of create this yearly game, drop this yearly game every year for say 60 bucks, have people buy into it, support it maybe for a year. And then next rotation at black ops or call of duty is the perfect example of that. Now you look at EA, which has done stuff like, you know, you've got all the Madden franchise, all the sports franchise, which is your yearly churn, but they're starting to run into some things where this, this yearly churn doesn't work so well for some people for you to play like this Titanfall battle Royale comes out of nowhere. Doing a good job about talking about 25 million people. Yeah. Boom. And you can't tell me that like it took as long to make as, as overwatch or it took as long to make as something else. Not even close. And they're still going to monetize the hell out of it. They haven't even started. Yep. And so that's the difference I think is that, Activision has to change their business model completely. And Blizzard has these titles, like you mentioned, which are are these long ingrained, long entrenched IPs that have just been expansion after expansion or whatever it may be. And Blizzard's not that company to do it. But I mean, look at what they're one of their most successful things, right? World of Warcraft, one game, and they've literally just kept adding to it year after year, subscription yeah. model, and somehow it's still alive. Making plenty of money, and now. They, but the thing is, is if you ask Blizzard to release a yearly AAA title, they'd fail miserably at it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. It's just not in their blood to do it that way. But also, if you look at their total active uh, users, they shed a million active users last year between quarter one and quarter two. It stabilized in Q3, but Q4 numbers drop tomorrow. And I can tell you, I don't think I think. And they already know. They know dropped. it's bad. That's why they're going to drop the layoffs alongside of it because they basically want to say, "We know that there is a downturn in our business, and here's our reaction to that." Yep, yep. That's how they level that, it up. There's no way they come in and going, "We're doing amazing. We're dropping 150 people from the Blizzard's roster, whatever the case may be." <laughs> yeah. Well, people who aren't satisfied with their decisions include uh, CEO Victor, or sorry, Team Liquid CEO Victor Goosens, who took the opportunity to take a shot at Blizzard after. Uh, for their handling of the HGC uh, in a recent uh, press release where they uh, actually announced that they were dropping their HGC team because their contract ran out. They basically paid through their contract, which kudos, I mean, to, them. kudos to them for doing it. I mean, most people would just found a way out, but I think which is they, why we're talking about the HGC month later. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, I mean, this, this pattern of really late communication uh, seems to be very, I don't trademark blizzard at the moment. Right. What are you so, talking about? I know everything I need to know about the preseason of the overwatch league. I, I have to read this, this part from Goosens in his uh, response to me. He says, this isn't the same as buying a super bowl commercial spot. This is a full ecosystem with hundreds of young adults relying on its, ex uh, on its existence just to pull the plug on it overnight is entirely irresponsible. There should be long-term commitments from publishers to the leagues they run and decision decision about discontinuing should be made well in advance. I understand the league may suffer a bit if everybody knows early on that it's going to end, but the human benefits far outweigh the downside. This sounds like uh, marching An orders for Blizzard. It, it should have been uh, told to Blizzard all along when they realized they weren't coming out. Like This should have been like pre-BlizzCon, uh, like written on the wall at, at Blizzard because like this is just... Yep. It is irresponsible to totally drop a league. We saw Overwatch League not even get a preseason. It was rumored, and I'm telling you, it got scrapped last minute, and we got this kind of weekend event thing with like yeah, scrims. It costs too much money. Why are we going to put all that money into production at the Blizzard Arena 
for something that is going to get hardly any viewers and waste of just a bunch of oh, time yeah. and money. Oh, yeah. They're moving so much from a production standpoint away from Overwatch, trying to tighten it up and rein it in. And they should because the numbers aren't there to, to do it otherwise. And they need to be more fiscally responsible than they were last year with Overwatch League. But What are you talking about? But, it was right? fully responsible fiscally. <laughs> we just hired every esports talent known to mankind and then had him sit on the sidelines for an entire season. That I, seems completely responsible. I feel like I'm hearing some sarcasm. I don't know. No, is, is this sarcasm coming show. from that chair over there? All right, all right. No, definitely not on this show. So moving on to the thing that we've been dancing around all night, Apex Legends. So uh, we got to eat a little bit of crow here. We predicted that nobody would give a flying crap about a Titanfall Battle Royale game that came out of left field. And, you know, we're largely right, as long as you ignore the 25 million people who are playing the game currently. Oh, man. So off. So off. But here's, here's the... People do not come here for the expert analysis. No, I mean, think about it. If it was just another Titanfall title it where they kind of bolted in this this battle royale mode it essentially started as titanfall 3 right and yep. it, and they they morphed it into this battle royale title and they chose to add some things to the genre which make it pretty unique a lot of great things actually a lot of good things yeah there's a few things that annoy me about it, but there's a lot of great things to it and but the difference is is they've added some stuff to the genre which are like quality of life stuff um, it makes it unique enough and it's standalone enough. Uh, it's free to play. <laughs> um, and with the, that was I think a long the, way to get 25 million users. The biggest surprise to me is that there was like no lead up to this title at all. It was like announced and then boom, there was like a, like a quick like beta and then out done and highly polished. Yeah. Right. Oh, so rumor has it that EA was like largely hands off on this. So this is respawn. Oh, so that explains why the game is so good. Yeah, so I think uh, EA walked into a gold mine on this one, and that's also why the business model of his little non-EA. Um, what are you talking about? I'm looking forward to Apex Legends Ultimate Team. Oh man, <laughs> don't don't do that. Um, but again, I think you did. You just read like, a couple of minutes before the show, like 25 million players. Yeah, 25 what it's up to? million players. So it was 10 million in just three days. It's now 25 million in a week. Essentially, the game is gorgeous like hands down best looking battle royale game out there um like you said this was rumored to be from the production that was going to be titanfall 3 now there's a lot of things if you are a casual titanfall fan you're probably looking at this game having no clue where it's related to titanfall at all because there's no wall running there's no mechs it's just hero based character play which is also an interesting twist on the genre because when this has been attempted in the past a la realm royale it did not work out super great and they had to go through multiple iterations where here they've largely nailed it on the first try and we're not just talking classes per se they're full on as they call them legends and there's already what six in the game immediately and then two more that you can uh purchase basically right, purchase yeah. and or earn via playing right right i think oh the additions that they've they've chosen to go after um have really helped it because it's it's so it because it's only a uh, you can only play it in a squad there's only three person they yep. chose to do some interesting things which was uh the ability to ping the way that their their ping system works like i don't have to talk to people. you don't have to talk to people the characters do talk back and forth uh to each other quite a bit in game so when you down the last person person of a squad the person says hey the squad like the squad's been wiped whatever maybe it's that's not what they say they say it like far more like written by a person who can clearly you have yeah. no future in video games right, 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 right. yeah don't judge me uh, but, but feel free to uh, anyways Judgment. 
so there's a lot of things again because they don't they know you need to play with other people um, because it there is no solo play to it, um, but it does allow. Uh, for communication to happen for people who don't have a mic, which makes it more difficult. And having those three, that requirement of three per squad allows them to get a little more creative with the classes. You can have a healer, you can have support classes that would on their own be useless, uh, but because it's always a squad of three, they can get a little bit more complimentary and creative in the roles that you can play. Yeah, it's kind of that trifecta where you normally have like a healer, tank, DPS person. That's kind of what they're going after, that MMO uh, trope, essentially, that we've seen largely in the past. Another thing to... Uh, that I do like about it is the verticality of it. The maps all are just are huge. They feel huge because which is why I wish we still had wall running. Yeah, which is why. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I really like the grappling hook ability. Is just uh, you can it gives you a maneuverability a lot like Widowmaker almost on like an Overwatch map. You can kind of yep. get to a higher position, change your position pretty rapidly without having to totally leave cover. You can use the verticality of a building to kind of hide you. And it's little quality of life things like that that make a, a big difference. There's also other things like uh, being able to drop as a group, having one designated person control the group of three. Yeah, that, that was drops. pretty awesome. Yeah, like. yeah, it's actually a really neat addition. And you can also break off if you want to, like, uh, you. I think it's like you press E and you kind of jump out from your you know, group if you want to be. be. Well, team. no, I mean, it's because you're essentially dropping down in a, in a group of three. So it's... I, I like that. Uh, the other piece, uh, being able to re- revive members, is is really cool. Being able to like run by, grab their like dog tags, so to speak, like truly revive them, not the oh they're almost down, let me heal them, but like literally bring them back from death. Right, right. So you can uh, you actually uh, go to a, a specific point, kind of turn in the dog tags. It takes a little bit of time. They're usually out in the open. It's equivalent to like getting a supply drop out in the middle of the open, like when you would see like a crate drop from the sky in like PUBG. Uh, you know, you want to run to it, but it's pretty dangerous to do so. It's the same way. Some people can't, will camp those areas to get extra kills because it takes you a couple extra uh, seconds or so to actually turn those in. But it's it's good. Uh, there's uh, It has its some of its problems. It doesn't feel... Um, from like a weapon standpoint, it doesn't feel very, very balanced. Shotguns are way overpowered. Shotgun will kill you in about one and a half shots, really, is what it takes. Yeah. Uh, an SMG, you can unload into people uh, like an entire thing. And it, because of the spread on the SMGs, uh, you're likely not going to kill them. Yeah, and I think it's a combination of the armor also feeling slightly overpowered as well. Like, I think one of the comments you made was like, I just feel like I'm constantly trying to kill somebody and nothing's really happening. Well, and they're also shorter clips, so you have, uh, again, like maybe like 30 shots for something, and you're then you're done and out. But they've done a lot of other things, like the inventory management piece they've offloaded and made it really, really sleek and, and really easy to do. A lot of some so, auto-equipping so of upgrades. Yeah, and there's just so much that they've done right but there's little nagging things that they're still there but again this is it's been out a week and it's still if this is the base they're gonna build this, yeah if this is the base they're going to build this game off of like they've teased uh, just as far as map placement goes they've teased some vehicles so we'll see if those turn into actual things uh, a lot of cool new mechanics the, the ships that you could land on like all sorts of just like crazy supply ships, things yeah. to titanfall uh, again, gorgeous map, ton of verticality to it, um, and they can expand the gameplay, and this is the one advantage they have to most other uh, Battle Royale games, is that they can expand gameplay beyond just adding weapons, because they can add new legends and new archetypes to those legends, and make them more interesting to play, and completely change up the meta, outside of just giving everybody a new weapon. Right, and you don't have to buy them per se, you can still earn them through playing, 
Um, but it takes about, I think somebody said like currently about 15 hours of gameplay. It actually yep. equates to one. Just buy it. Uh, the game's one thing. worth a, a few Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it, it really is worth it. Um, there's still some issues with it, like from like a noise standpoint, it's a very noisy map. So it's hard to tell where shots are coming from or where people are near you because there's always like machines worrying and random in, environmental noise, which is a little high. Call. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, uh, some of the like special abilities almost feel overpowered or almost weird. Oh yeah. Um, the whole ultimate system in general is yeah. like a, a unique thing, but they definitely like, I, the, I was watching, I forget the character's name, but they're like ultimate lasts for like 45 seconds. And I was like, yeah. Jesus. So I, I think again, the, the, legends themselves will need some tuning the weapons will need some tuning um why you said it was like a very visually one of the best looking uh battle royale games i i tend to agree but i also feel like there's a lot of visual noise going on so sometimes it's hard to discern like who you're when you're fighting against someone like hard to pick them out from the surroundings where things like fortnite excel because it really uh, took the detail level down to a very a minimum, so it's easy to see players, and it just has its own kind of look and feel to it. This feels very Borderlands esque, um, and but it does give you some tells like when you hit people, you can see that the number being hit, and so that's there's good stuff there. there it, like I said, building blocks totally there. It seems like the system that they have in place is doable from like a console standpoint. So it wouldn't surprise me if this is coming to consoles and not too long. It might even be an Xbox exclusive. Ooh, look at that. Oh, look out. Um, I mean, Respawn's done it before, right? So I think that uh, I, I think this game, we were wrong because it wasn't just a we're adding a Battle Royale mode to Titanfall. No, far more polished than I think we were expecting because of, but it was a very out of left field announcement, which is why we weren't expecting a whole lot from yeah, this. And it yeah, turned yeah. out to be actually we've been working really hard on this, we just didn't talk about it ahead of time. Yeah, totally. Totally. And so, uh, let's move on to our next uh, little story here. Just a little little note I wanted to tiny make. Tiny little note. Just a tiny little note. Uh, if you were wondering uh, what's next after the Katowice Major, uh, well, it's actually been confirmed uh, Star Ladder will play host to the next CSGO major. Details are kind of like a, an Epic Games blog post. They're a little foggy, not completely there. We're not even sure if they right? died in the middle of writing. I think we had like one tweet to confirm it, but uh, it should land sometime around August slash September. That will be held in Berlin, Germany. That much we know. However, according to Esports Insider, one of the final two Dota 2 majors will take place in Paris, France, but it's not at the sort of place you would expect for an esports event to be held. So Disneyland Paris is the slightly more than rumored host, thanks to a recruitment consultant who advertised a role related to sales for the Dota 2 Major Paris, which mentioned Disneyland as the actual like client. So we've said multiple times on the show that standalone events often have problems filling seats. The DreamHack Masters in Vegas... What are you at the Mandalay, about? I think people is, that showed up were really excited. Right, right. That was a, a prime like example. At least 24. Maybe, maybe twenty-five if the wind was right, or if they let that one guy in, or he's, he was at he was at concessions. Uh, but does this sort of venue or this uh, hosting an event in this kind of place have enough esports involvement to put butts in seats? So I'm gonna draw a strange parallel here um, because I like to pull in soccer and wrestling, so I'm gonna pull in wrestling. So this was an interesting trick that WCW pulled back in the day. They started holding their events at Universal Studios to get a guaranteed audience. They're like, we are here at this amusement park. We are another attraction. Just the sheer number of people who happen to go through the park on any given day guarantees that we will at least have X number of fans to fill this every time we do a television taping. 
this seems like a similar thought process, right? Like Disneyland Paris, packed with thousands and thousands of people every day. They're a younger audience. Pretty good chance that they're into esports or video games in some meaningful way. Combined with just the overall notoriety of Dota, it seems like a slam dunk to make sure that you're going to have enough butts in the seats. Now, can you pull this off everywhere? Like, I don't know. But this seems a hell of a lot better than running out an entire arena in Vegas to have 20 people show up. That's very true. Very true. And we, again, we talked about having other things to do. Um, uh, DreamHacks are notorious for having that, right? They have yep. multiple tournaments, multiple games going this on. This is why Evo is so big, because I can go and play my own tournaments when I'm not observing. Right. And then the one time that I can re- like remember where it just totally bombed was that DreamHack Masters. It was just a CSGO event, just in Vegas. The 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 average CS:GO follower is in like the teens, uh, and Vegas isn't a place that they can easily access or go or whatever it may be, nope. uh, and it really bombed. Now here's a, an, another little interesting tidbit that I was wondering. It, but again, I don't know 100. We're not going to get Mickey Mouse and Dota. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> That'd be that would actually probably go over better than the artifact announcement. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I know, right? Card games, look out! Seven's on a rampage. <laughs> yeah, right. If you if it's a card game, look out. Uh, Disney XD is diving into esports pretty largely. I don't know how much of a correlation Disney XD uh, has with the actual Disneyland, especially in Paris. But I'm wondering if Disney kind of came up with this and disney made the play to host this actual major i mean it's not outside the realm of possibility they've certainly done stranger things when it comes to esports they've sponsored all sorts of weird events um we've seen the hgc i think even at one point right, right. On, on disney xd so for them to have an event as big as a dota 2 <clears throat> major taking place at a disney theme park that they could play on television would actually be a pretty interesting way to get dota onto tv yeah, it could be a, a good crossover. And I know, again, we, we've mentioned uh, standalone events not always doing well. I mean, like Worlds is something that does incredibly well. Uh, even uh, Valve is looking for additional side events, things to go on at the international. Um, that's why you have like Red Bull holding lands there and things. Yep. It's just because they look for other things things going on. Because when there's one stage and those two teams are playing and they're not your teams or you have no interest in it, nothing to do, right? Right. And so having a, a venue, even even the international is held at Seattle side. There's plenty of things to do around it. It's not like out in the middle of nowhere. So I think this Disney piece, uh, I, I feel like it'll be pretty interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving back to CSGO really quickly, rumor has it that TSM may be looking to get back into CSGO. This will be uh, TSM's latest attempt at Counter-Strike after a uh, rocky return in 2017 that was ruined by a certain player association. Uh, is this a good move for the org? Now, to keep in mind, they've had some success. A lot of the uh, championship team that is Astralis came from the original TSM team. Um, but this would be attempt at number three, I think, for them to uh, give Counter-Strike a go. What are your thoughts here? I, I think uh, there are some notable uh, kind of people out there who are, have been recently benched that are, are available or free agents out there Picking up that the could be that could be a good building blocks for team. The number one person who is uh, really uh, again more than likely going to be targeted, especially if they go into an EU market, uh, be X phased in game later Kerrigan. Like Kerrigan, 
I think still has quite a bit of life left in him, even though he was kind of booted from phase. Um, I think he did some amazing things for phase. I think he was doing great stuff at Astralis. And you can build a team around him because of his in-game leader experience. Correct, correct. Now, there could be a potential uh, building block in North America uh, if they decide to make an org there, and that would be Tarek. Now, Tarek, I know, isn't necessarily a... Well, I guess building block is kind of a bad way of saying it, but there he showed something at the E-League Major uh, when with Cloud9 when they want as no, an in-game leader. A very front-facing, um, getting a lot of intel himself leader who kind of just rolled with it. A lot of really good rotation across like bond sites. I feel like there's something there. Uh, Cloud9 won't touch him, obviously. Um, MIBR have dropped him. He's out there. He's available. I think he's still a, a solid pickup. I don't know if he's a, a build around. I don't know if there's still a lot of talent in NA that's just floating out there. I think there's a lot in EU, but it almost feels like some tired talent in EU still. Uh, I mean, but, that's the uh, prototypical way for an order to get back into Counter-Strike, isn't it? I guess so. I guess so. I just think that with TSM having a a team here in North America, building that North American brand, it might be smart for them to do so. And if they can get some decent talent, they don't have to be all North American players 100%. But Tarek is, a, I think, a decent pick. I think he's would be a decent pickup. If Blizzard can pull off what they do with regionality, I think they can get away with a few non-NA players. Yeah, well, a couple people try. As long as they don't go like the Optic Gaming route, what they the Optic did, uh, where they just kind of got the hodgepodge of people, and then it turned out awful, and we knew it would. Um, eh, anyways, yeah. yeah. Take a risk from time to time. From time to time. <laughs> All right. Um, it, speaking of risks that you should not take, uh, is uh, gambling with other people's accounts for the tune of 100 bucks in your career. So Luminosity uh, drop uh, Creo as their scandal, as this, this whole scandal around him basically uh, account boosting largely uh, and then stealing someone's account or not following through on what he was paid to do uh, has, has kind of mounted. And this is all around, like, he's basically tanked a Fortnite career because it's something he did in the past. Now, there's there's two sides to this coin. One, he's like, you know, I did this when I was like younger. I was in college, which was probably like last year. And all I'm saying, Fortnite has not been out long right, enough for this right, right. back in so, the day. So he tried he tried that, and I and I get part of it. Like, you know, college kid, he wasn't making money. He wasn't a professional at that time, and he did it, and he shouldn't have. Um, he claims that he basically what happened is is he was trying to. Uh, if someone by the name of Noah was wanting him to kind of account boost and he used an account that technically wasn't his, it was a friend of his and that his friend kept changing the account on it. He wasn't really owning it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. If it was that Noah, if he was actually involved in this. Uh, however, long story short, he did it. And now luminosity is like, no, he should never have done that. That goes against our, uh, I don't know, our, our, whatever our ethics and they've done the things that. we just made up yesterday. Right. Now, I get he shouldn't have done it. I feel like it's kind of a harsh penalty. Welcome to the world where we will be forever punished for everything that we have done wrong in our lives. But I feel like I feel like Luminosity just uses this as an out to dump his contract, in all honesty. That's I mean, what it feels like. I also got to feel for the guy because I'm pretty sure that he can make more than 100 bucks just by like staring at a blank screen on Twitch with the notoriety. That he right, has. right. I just, I, I, this is just a weird drama thing that's kind of come to a head. And I, I, I find it interesting that... Something this minor, they drop him. But we've seen other players like being racist in competitive matches, 
and they're still allowed to be okay with it. They're like, you know, it just really depends on how good you are at Fortnite. <laughs> and I think Luminosity actually dropped him before he made the statement of what actually happened. And it just it feels like they kind of jumped the gun on that one. Yeah, but they clearly, whatever. They clearly wanted out of that piece of paper. Changes are in store for the ECS as they move into Season 7, and if you were looking for more matches, uh, well, that's not going to happen. ECS and fellow tournament organizers are paring down the schedule to combat player tournament and travel fatigue. Season 7 will see more teams and less matches, uh, which makes every match worth even more throughout the year. According to the ECS press release, they genuinely seem like they're listening to the players and community and moving quite a bit around this season. Well, what are your thoughts on these changes? Well, so regular season kicks off March 11th. Um, and what they've decided to do this year is that tournaments will be filled um, uh, by teams that are available during that week. So they have like this flex schedule, which um, the, any empty slots will be filled by challengers. So they've got this whole challenger feeding system, um, which they've, they've had before. But they're, they're basically making a more flexible schedule. They've pared it down. You're actually going to get to see more teams playing. But the team, again, like you had mentioned, uh, there will be less actual matches. So... Uh, a lot of it is single limb, so it's a lot less weight um, in terms of uh, time commitment. But the, one of the things I like, and we, we've talked about this before in the past, is the finals. Once we get, to, uh, again, to the finals for the ECS Season 7, it'll take place at Wembley, but they're extending it to a fourth day. So remember how we've talked before where you always have that semifinal round where somebody has to play like two matches almost yep, back-to-back yep. in the same day? This is to combat that. And I think Not a bad move. I feel like they're actually listening and doing some interesting things in the space. And from a tournament standpoint, I totally 100% agree that like ECS seasons have been like super bloated. We've seen like even things like Hearthstone Zing at one more tick one mark last there. Time. Yeah. One last like time. where you have just the amount of games and tournament fatigue. And really all the people care about is like maybe kickoff day and then the end. Yep. <laughs> and the rest of it is like what drama happened. And so this. It seems like a smart way of combining it, paring down things, and hopefully on there and making it more profitable for them and better for the actual players. Yeah, well, we will see. But overall, I'm a fan of the move. Whenever they can get out of their own way, give us more high-quality matches, um, That that's what we want, as opposed to let me just pull the Overwatch League Season 1 and just make you want to kill yourself after the number of matches that you're forced to watch. It also... Isn't ECS locked into YouTube gaming, too? Well, I was just going to try to ignore that. (laughs) All right, all right. Uh, Would you notice if they were? Well, that might be one of the reasons why they're dipping it back a little bit, I guess. Anyways, sorry, I didn't Uh, even think about that until I just mentioned it. I'm sorry. I'm not dissing anybody. I just clearly are. Clearly are. Uh, last but not least, in news that uh, you learned before we did, uh, the E-League NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 All-Star Throwdown 2019 powered by Intel. Sorry, I needed to take a bigger breath before that one before I started. Uh, is coming to you live from the NBA All-Star Game Friday, February 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern on Twitch and 11.30 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on TBS. Now, this is not a game that is known for its esports scene. Uh, what are your thoughts about Turner's move here uh, to make an event out of this using the E-League brand? I think it's it's actually really good. So Turner has a big investment in the nba i think it plays into the crowd that they already have a built-in fan base for uh, and a viewership for this is a kind of event where if anything it's kind of, it's smart for nba 2k league to get this kind of the esports involvement going on i just think overall like it, it's it's a one-off event it's not like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize pool and like craziness 
I just think it's it's a smart play in these little one-off tournaments. Now, I agree, like, it's not CSGO, which E-League was pretty much founded on, but it's a it's an interesting choice, an interesting decision. And I think one-off tournaments, there's nothing wrong with that. I think they're good. Show matches are good. I wish they would have just gone complete old school with some NBA jam. Uh, I, I, I can agree with that. So I'm, I guess I didn't address the choice of game, but I think it's, <laughs> I, I still don't think it's a bad thing at all. Yeah, well, and uh, last but not least, E-League also made another much more major announcement today. Uh, E-League and Psionics are partnering on a content deal that includes producing a series of episodes that will cover players, teams, and stories of two upcoming RLCS seasons, both Season 7 as well as Season 8. They're going to be selling ads, uh, them being Turner, against the RLCS content. Just when we thought E-League was just going to do these one-off tournament events, uh, here they are making a major commitment to a very specific game and their official esport for said game I, I like this too i think uh having more understanding and more insight to what's going on this is like that document the you know documentary stuff going on around the actual game itself the brand yeah I, in, which they do well so and it, we it, and, it tra- and it translates well into actual watchable tv versus just uh seeing the same thing you might see on twitch so it gives people a reason to go either online and watch it on TBS or go and watch it on actual TV. And our LCS, as we've said many times in the past, far better translates than a lot of other games totally. on television. Totally. And I, and I think a, it it's a great, uh, great partnership. I also think it's really interesting that uh, Turner is using it for like an ad sales revenue piece. Like that's something we don't see often. But Psionics... Certainly not on this podcast. Psionics has... I mean, especially for a game that's growing like at this pace, right? Psionics and and the RLCS is really booming. This is huge. We've said and, this a lot about them, right? They've yeah. masterfully handled this game and grown it at the right pace. And this is a uh, maybe not a expected next move, but a solid one nonetheless. Oh yeah, yeah. And in doing so too, like yeah, Psionics when they originally dropped Rocket League, they signed an exclusivity deal to. Uh, playstation because they didn't have a marketing department yep. that it, to think that this is where they are now they probably still don't have the and marketing they department killed the company by doing that right because when the game comes out for free uh, initially on um, with the exclusivity like their right. servers get overloaded and it's often more of a curse than it is a blessing and they've turned that all around into what is one of the most consistent esports products out there yeah it's grown uh, year over year, I think it's a, a solid partnership. I like what ECS or sorry, the ECS E League does with the RLCS uh, content that they already do. Their tournaments are, are fun to watch. I, I it's win. Can I just say I can't win? Wait win? to find out who win. wins a week after it happens. It'll be great. You're the worst. <laughs> I get that last poke in there. That's going to do it for this episode. As always, you can catch us every week on your favorite podcast app or on iTunes. Just head over to eleaguereport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're there, be sure to leave us a five-star review because it's the only thing that allows us to continue to make these jokes. Well, for a little bit longer. I mean, uh, I, I just uh, we're good. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's told me we can't uh, and of course if you want to troll us more directly join us over at discord at discord.eleagueReport.com oddly enough it is only full of other e-league employees trolling us I'm not quite sure what that means oh man that's true that is true it's tough and uh, also as we mentioned coming up Friday February 15th at 2pm Eastern on Twitch and 11.30pm Eastern and Pacific on TBS is the e-league NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 All-Star Throwdown powered by Intel <laughs> alright we're going to take a, I should, I should take a rest I the ad read 
needs. I know, man. Man, where's, I my, where's my... I need that in my contract. There you go. Need to work that out. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the E-League Report. Oh, <laughs> my